Amen. How many of you believe that Jesus is more than enough? Amen. As we remain standing before the Lord, shall we turn to the scriptures? We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Four, one, and two. Somebody read it out in English. Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives as the word of God is being preached. We pray that we will be able to receive your word and may it be activated in our lives. To Christ be glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We were talking about a mother's way and last week we talked about a father's way and today we want to move into the faith way. Okay? We were talking about the faith of Moses' parents, we talked about the faith of Moses, and we want to continue in that realm as we continue to talk about faith. We already discussed what faith is according to the Bible. We talked about the design of faith. The Bible says we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. Praise the Lord. We talked about the demands of faith. What is the demand of faith? He who comes to God should believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We talked about the importation of faith. How we have to import our faith value into our posterity and they in turn have to be faithful in importing it to the next generation. As we read God's word, we want to go further. Today, we want to ponder on this verse from Hebrews, which talks about, the writer says, Therefore, since a promise remains of us entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we want to move into that realm this morning. Praise the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is bringing a picture from the Old Testament saint's life. And he is reminding us of the episodes or the experience that the Old Testament Saints had. He says that because of unbelief, many of them or most of them did not enter into the rest that God had promised them. They, they were set free from Egypt, 
the power of God was manifested for them, but they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years aimlessly going around in circle without able to enter into the promised blessing that God had given to them. And the writer of Hebrew analyzes their life and he's saying that we have to learn a lesson from it. Why is it that they could not enter into the rest even though it was promised to them? Even though they experienced this strong hand of God working on their behalf, working in their favor and delivering them out. Even though they experienced day after day, every day for them was a miracle. A miracle every day. Now, when they experienced miracle every day, it became a way of life and they did not appreciate what God was doing for them. The supernatural became the natural for them, not because the supernatural was the natural, but because they experienced it every day. It was a visible manifestation of the provision and the protection of God that they experienced in their lives, but they could not enter into their destiny, the final destination that God had promised to them because of unbelief. And the writer of Hebrews says, watch out, it should not happen to us. What happened to them can happen to us also. We ought to learn from their mistakes. What were their mistakes? It was very simple that they did not mix the word that they received or the promise that they received with faith. Failure to mix the promise with faith caused them to forfeit the blessing that God had pronounced, that God had spoken to them. It can happen to us also. This is what the writer of Hebrew, Hebrews is saying. Now it is very interesting. The writer says that they had a good news preached to them. We also have a good news being preached to us. What was their good news? Their good news was that they were going to enter into that promised land, a land which was flowing with milk and honey. But when we come to the New Testament, we know the blessings that the Bible talks about is the blessings that we can appropriate through Jesus Christ. The blessings that we want to experience today, here, and in the future. Well, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First, Jesus promises the rest of salvation. Then he promises the rest of submission. Then he promises the rest of service. Then he promises the eternal rest to every believer. Praise God. When we respond to the word of God, we enter into the rest of salvation. That is only the beginning. We have to experience every blessing that God has promised for us.
Christ wants us not only to become heirs of the blessing, not only become receivers, recipients of the grace of God, recipients of the eternal life, but also recipients of the abundance of life that Christ has promised to us. But if we have to receive that, we have to receive every word that comes to us. Every promise that is spoken to us, we ought to mix it with faith so that it will profit us. Praise God. The word of God is packed with power. The word of God is full of life. And that when that word of God is imparted to us, when it is engrafted into us, when it is infused into us, the word, the power that is hidden in the word of God can bring forth life and can lead us into appropriating everything that God has promised. But this is what is expected of us, that when we hear the word of God, we receive it and we act on the word of God. When we fail to act on the word of God, that is when we tend to forfeit what God has in store for us. We as children of God, we hear the word of God. We hear it in the church. We hear it when we are traveling on our cars. We, read, we hear it on our CDs, on our DVDs, on our television. We are constantly bombarded by the word of God. But the question is, the Bible says we receive faith. The faith comes by hearing and hearing of God's word. But if we fail to act on the word of God, if we fail to obey the word of God, in the words of James, do not only become hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word. When you hear the word, you have to act on it. When you hear the word, you have to respond to it lest it become ineffective and it becomes unprofitable to us. Praise God. Look, the writer of Hebrews says, it did not profit to them. Praise God. God's word, God's word, God expects that it will become a blessing, a profit to us. But if it has to become a profit to us, if you and I have to glean something out of it, you and I have to mix it by faith. Mix faith to it and thereby appropriate what God has promised to each and every one of us. Taking the lives of the children of Israel, we understand what happened to them. It was not their shortcoming alone, but their unwillingness to obey and believe what God had spoken to them made them to what? They forfeited the blessing that God had spoken to them. Praise God. When God speaks to us from his word, we have to act on it. We have to demonstrate to God that we believe what he has said. And how do we demonstrate? When we act positively, when we respond to him, that's how we demonstrate to God that we believe what, what he has said. The principle of mixing faith to the word of God is, is absolutely important. Praise God. See, we live in a world, in a society, which is 
computerized, which is automated, which is mechanized. Everything around us is programmed. Everything around us is programmed. Life has been made easy for us. We have the ease of use. We have the user-friendly gadgets all around us. Everything has been made easier to access. Information is at the tip of our fingers. But in order to access the promises of God, in order to access the blessings of God, we have to have faith. We have to act upon it. Praise God. Quite often, when faith is idle, we cannot receive what God wants us to enjoy in our lives. But when we experience adverse circumstances in our lives, that's when we are pressed. When we are pressed, we tend to lean onto God, hold fast to God, and that's when we start confessing the word of God. It is good. You don't have to wait till your circumstances become adverse for you to act the word of God even in good seasons even in high seasons when everything is going well may you be found sitting under the teaching the preaching the hearing of God's word and act on it activate that word and by faith appropriate the promises of God praise God quite often we only activate when we have an adverse circumstances in our lives. And some, they don't even do that. They fail completely. They just fall apart when there is an adverse circumstances in their lives. Praise God. Listen, mixing, we know, mixing is very important. You know, you ask the chemist, you ask the pharmacist, they will tell you the importance of all the ingredients in the right amount, right quantity required in mixing the right kind uh, to bring forth a right kind of medication. So whether it, it is in the industrial field, whether it is in the pharmaceutical field, whether it is in the food industry, whether it is in the allied industry, a chemical industry, everybody from a chemical engineer to a sound engineer who is taking care of sound knows the importance of mixing. If mixing is important, it's at the core of bringing forth the right product for us. How much more we need to mix faith with God's promises so that we can receive what God has spoken into our lives. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We live an easy life and we tend not to activate our faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mixing. Mixing. What? What do we mix? Praise God. Faith and word. Quite often, do you know what we mix? We mix word and worry together. We mix word and worry together. What is the outcome? What do we have? We have the word. We have the word. 
the word is sufficient to import life. But instead of mixing faith with it, we mix worry with the word. And the result is what? Unbelief. You know, take the parable of the sower. Jesus said that the seed that is sown, what? It produces what? The expectation is what? The expectation is that it should bring forth a hundredfold. The word is profitable. But if the word has to be profitable, there is something expected of us. Do we live up to that expectation? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, if someone is going through a financial crisis, what do you think they should do? What do you think they should do? The other day, we were visiting a family in our church, a young couple, and their testimony gave me so much boost. I thanked the Lord. I came, walked out of the house praising God because I realized that, that they were acting in faith. They were going through a financial crisis in their lives. One of them had lost their job, and their testimony was, we were sharing something, and they happened to share this testimony. And one of them said that, listen, we, are, we, we give our tithes to the Lord. And even in this season, we decided that what we were giving before, when both of us were working, we will continue to give the same amount by faith. Wow. Somebody in this church. Look at that. See, it is one thing to give your tithe. It is quite something else when by faith you decide that even when you don't have your job now, you will give what you were giving before. That is what? That's mind-boggling to the natural mind. We'll scratch our head and say, what's, 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 what's up with this? What would the natural mind say? Let me tell you what the natural mind will say. The natural mind will say, wait, the requirement is tight. Well, we will continue to give our tithe of what the income is. But this is giving what they don't have. That is by faith because they believe in the word of God that says that when you tithe, I will open the shutters of heaven and I will pour out such a blessing upon your life that you will not have enough room to take it in. Well. If you are a critic, you will have a question. May I sound out your question? Well, the question is, well, whether if you are paying the tithe, why is it that you, you should be having abundance? Why is it that you are in a season of scarcity? Huh. I'll share my experience with you. I was brought up in a home where my parents were meticulous tithers. Meticulous tithers. They trained us to do the same thing. When I was a kid, when I started getting small pocket change, I used to tithe. Little did I know that I would come to a place where God will feed me of tithing. Hey, you never know. Praise the Lord. You never know. Praise God. Amen. 
So I used to type. And I come and come, came to this country, I got a job. Typing was, it was just ingrained in us, you know. But at one point, the Lord told me, I want you to raise up your typing. He says, I want you to increase it. I increased it to 15%. I started typing. Then the Lord told me at one point, raise it up to 20%. I started giving 20%. Now, mind you, you know, we were not, we were not having abundance of resources. When I did 20, it started, I started scratching my barrel. You know, it started going down. And I remember one day, I cried to the Lord. I said, Lord, you asked me to do this, and I have done it wholeheartedly. But I should never come to a point where I go back and I have to take out of that tithing to support myself. So therefore, Lord, you have to come through for me. I don't know how it happened. The Lord changed our financial situation. And I was able to give that 20%. After some time, the Lord said, raise it up. Raise the roof to 25%. Wow. Well, I started giving 25. My point is, I now realize looking back, that I went through a season of testing in my life. If I had gone back on that word, I know that I would have suffered loss. But God gave me the grace to hold on to the commitment that was made. Praise God. And God helped me to come out of it in flying colors. Praise God. What is it we're talking about? We are talking about believing what God says in his word and responding to the word of God even when the circumstances look bleak. Let me tell you, when you have, you have cultivated a habit of believing God in the hard seasons, in the bleak seasons, let me tell you, you can trust God even in the high seasons of life. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know the Lord bless me. I'm a pastor. I get gifts from the Lord. I get gifts from God's people. And the Lord has given me the grace to give it 100% to the Lord's work. Praise God. I say this because when you are faithful in giving to the Lord, that what God can do for you is mind-boggling. And it is not in the realms of finance, God's people. Let me tell you, Paul says, so that you can have abundance of grace in every season, at all times, at all places, you cannot match it. The world cannot match what God can do for you. Praise God. You know, God loves all of us. God loves what? All of us. But then, the, because the word says, for God so loved the world. Praise God. But let me tell you, you know, it's not only God loves us. There is a verse the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. Praise God. That love is something else. Praise God. He loves a cheerful giver. Come by coming back to what we are talking about, okay? So acting on the promises of God. Now, it's not only in the realms of finance, but it is in every realms of your life. You can trust 
God to take care of your needs. You can appropriate the blessings of God by what? By stepping out in faith, mixing the promises with faith so that we can receive what God has promised. Coming back to the context, he's talking about, he's talking about, you know, taking in, 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 in the mind how people could not enter the rest that God had promised them. Why could, not, could they not enter? Because of unbelief. And we know that it is written in Numbers chapter 11. Put that up, please. We know about the report that the, that the 12 spies brought. You know, we talk about them as spies. They were sent out on a spy mission. But who were they? Who were they? Who were they? Hey, anybody, come on. Huh? They were not just representative of each tribe. They were leaders of each tribe, mind you. Okay? They were handpicked. Because they were leaders, because of their standing, because of their position, because who they were. Okay? They were not just average people. They were the leaders of each tribe. They were sent out on a mission. When they came out, they bought the report. We know that out of 10 to 12, two gave good report and the other 12, they gave evil report and they got the people to go along with it and thereby forfeited what everybody could experience. Listen, listen to the report. All right. And the people stood up. Hey. I think I gave the wrong words. Okay. Coming to, coming to what, what, what we are talking about, what did the people do? The spies went and they did what? They, they spied the land and they brought the produce with them that showed what? The evidence that it is indeed a land as God has promised. I'm sorry? Numbers 13. I'm sorry guys. 13, 32, 33. 13, 32, 33. Please. Hmm. Look at this. These guys go and they come back with a report. And the Bible says it was an evil report. Their report was, we looked like grasshoppers in our own sight and in their sight. Now I want you to come with me to sight. Okay? Number one, we said Moses' mother saw what God saw. Number two, we said Moses saw what his mother could not see. Moses saw the invisible one. Number three, these leaders, they saw themselves as grasshoppers in our own sight. So their own sight was clouded with unbelief. Number four, three. Number four, 
they are saying, we look like grasshoppers for them. When they look, we look like grasshoppers. So foresight. Number one, seeing what God sees. Number two, seeing God as he is. Number three, seeing ourselves, seeing ourselves from a lens of unbelief. Number four, seeing ourselves through the perspective of the enemy. Number five, seeing ourselves as God sees. Praise God. What was the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies? I'll tell you, Joshua and Caleb saw as God saw. Praise God. These ten spies, they saw, they looked at themselves, and they compared to that mountain that stood before them. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and then they saw themselves through the enemy's eyes as grasshoppers and forfeited what would come their way. Praise God. You're standing in your home. You're standing in your community. You're standing in your church. You're standing in your society. You're standing in your nation has a way of influencing people around us. People around you. We all have a sphere of influence around us. And if we can see what God can see. If we can look at ourselves as God looks at ourselves, then we tend to spread that aura of faith around us. When we can see as God sees, when we cannot see ourselves as God looks at us, when we don't put the lens of faith, we tend to paralyze and demoralize people around us. What is the end result? The end result is none of these guys entered and that did not end with their, none of them could enter into the promise that God had spoken over their lives. Praise God. Why is it that they could not, that they saw themselves as grasshoppers and they saw, they thought that the enemies looked at them and they felt like they were, they were grasshoppers simply because they could not see what God saw in them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know if any one of you are venturing out or considering endeavors in your lives, whether it be in the field of vocation, whether it's in the field of ministry, whether it's in the field of starting a business, whether it's in the field of innovation, whatever it is, I want you to look at yourself as God looks at you. Praise God. When we have a lack of self-esteem, when our esteem is built on nothing but the natural, when our esteem is built on the circumstances around us, we tend to act like that. But when our esteem is built on how God looks at us, praise God. Things will change. I want to encourage the young men and the young ladies in the church to look at yourself as God looks at you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. You know, quite often we are identified by our ethnicity. If you are filling out an application, they will ask you. What would they ask you? Are you what? Huh? Are you what? In the realms of race, they will ask you what? Huh? Caucasian? Hispanic? Asian? Huh? American Indian? What do you put there? Asian. Why don't you put Indian American? Because there's no Indian American. You fall under the Asian ethnicity when it comes. So our identity, the world tries to, or the country, or the society around tries to determine us. Our identity is based on ethnicity. Our identity is based on our gender. Our identity is based on our socioeconomic background. Our identity is based on our wealth, our status, our position in the society. And so all these things are taken into consideration. Well, that's how the world does. That's fine. Let them do it. But let me tell you, your identity. My identity is about that. You and I are the child of the living God. That is our primary identity. I am identified as a child of the Most High. I am identified as a son of Jesus. I am identified as a child of God. I am identified as a child of the living God. That's our primary identity. And when you understand that identity about yourself, you don't need to walk around with a low self-esteem. But you walk around, now you realize how God looks at you and that should determine your destiny, your destination, your disposition, how you carry yourself is determined on the fact of who not just who you are, but whose you belong to. Ah, praise God. Don't let the world look at you and say who you are based on all these other things that we mentioned. Before that, you and I should be convinced of the fact whose we are. Whose do we belong to who? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sam Levinson was a great educator. He's a great educator. And once he was surrounded by, by uh, some athletes, football players and basketball players, and you know how big they are. The shortest of them are what? Probably 6'5", 250 pounds. Huge guys. And Sam is an average guy. And somebody looked at Sam and said, Sam, you know, doesn't it make you feel awkward to stand before all these big, huge, tall guys? Sam said, yes, you are right. Every time I stand with them, to me, I look like, I feel as if I'm a dime standing around a lot of pennies. Dime is what? Small. Pennies are bigger than dimes. But what is the difference? What is the difference? I don't want you to go home thinking that pastor said something about dimes and pennies. And I don't figure out where I am, dimes or pennies. You got to figure out, you are a dime or a penny. What are you, a dime or a penny? Good. 
I will go one step further, my sister. I'm a gold dollar coin. <laughs> Praise God. Can't get bigger than that in coins, right? Am I right? Yep. You guys don't know. You have not seen gold dollar coins? Next time you go to the bank, you ask them for a gold dollar coin. Well, we might not wear gold, but we don't mind carrying some gold coins, right? Amen. Praise God. Who are you? Who are you? Don't settle for that penny mindset. Many of us have the grasshopper syndrome. What is the grasshopper syndrome? The grasshopper syndrome is looking at ourselves as, uh, you know, belittle, small. Yeah, people are, there are people around us who will look down at you. When they look down at you, you know what you do? You look where? Your worth is determined up there. <laughs> Praise God. When the world looks down at you, you look up because my worth is determined by Him. Amen. That alone makes you a HV target. What's an HV target? A high value target to who? To the enemy. You are an HV target. What is it? You're a high-value target for the enemy because you might not know your potential, but God knows your potential, and Satan knows your potential, so he wants to snap you down so that you never rise up to your calling in Christ Jesus. Ah, praise God. I want to, I want to conclude, praise God. Listen, what is it that God expects from us? What is it that God expects from us? I want you to turn to two more verses, and then I'll conclude. Okay, I want to call it done. Um, okay, put up that uh, Thessalonian verses, please. Second Thessalonians. Put it up. There it is. Okay, so 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Praise the Lord. Put the other words up too. The first Thessalonians 2.13. Look at this verse. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believeth. Paul writing to the Thessalonians is saying that when we preach the word to you, you received it not as word of men, but literally as the word of God. And that word is what? Working in you. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, come with me. I'm going to conclude. Five minutes, I'm done. Okay? Listen, listen, listen. Listen. So the word is being preached. Whose word it is? It's God's word. It's up to us how we're going to receive. 
Are we going to receive it as man's word or God's word? If we are going to receive it as God's word and respond to it, the word does what? It is working in you. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it's working in me. What is working in you? The word is working in you. Listen, what's the purpose of coming to a Sunday school? What's the purpose of coming to church? What's the purpose of coming to SNL? We preach and we teach the word of God. And it is a chance for the word of God to be imported into you. And when you receive it as it is the word of God, the word is working in you. It's not only working in you, it is working on you. It is working around you. It is working for you. And it is working through you. Oh, praise God. The word, tell, come on, repeat after me. The word is working in me. The word is working on me. The word is working for me. The word is working through me. Yes, and Paul says that word worked in them. And he says that what is happening, that that faith is growing in them. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Ha. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ha. Do you want to be victorious in life? Yes or no, church? Tell me, yes or no? Praise God. Do we want faith to continue to grow in us? Amen. Do we want to appropriate the promises of God? Amen. There be seasons of bleakness in our lives. George Frederick Handel, one of the greatest musician and composer, he went through a hard time in his life. He got he was he was paralyzed. His right side was paralyzed. And he went through a hard time because all his creditors started coming and started threatening him, saying that they will take him. They will take anything, any, everything that was left of him. He was at the point of breaking. He was at the point of despair. That's when he decided that he would lean onto God and put his trust in him and would have faith in him. It is in that season Handel wrote the Hallelujah Chorus. Do you know the hallelujah chorus? What is it? Yes. Go ahead, my brother. You know it. Come on. Come on. This was written not when he was on the height of his career. When he was going through the bleakest season. If there is anybody in the house this morning who is going through a bleakest season in your life. Where you have been pressed where you've been pushed, where you've been pressured, where you feel that you hit the ground, where it feels that you're scraping the barrel. I want to tell you, even in this season, God can bring a masterpiece out of you because you're serving the master of masters. Don't take your eye off the master because he can bring forth a masterpiece out of you 
when you think that you are broken, when you think that you are being shattered, when you think that you are falling in pieces, the master of master is bringing out a masterpiece out of you. Don't call it quits. Hold on to his word. Mix faith with it. You will come out as one that will bring glory to his holy name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Shall we rise up before the Lord? Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. All eyes closed. Praise God. Oh, we want to be people who would mix faith and word together and appropriate what God has promised for us. Praise God. Lord, we don't want to forfeit what you have pronounced, what you have proclaimed, what you have spoken over our lives. We have entered into the rest of salvation, but there remains an entering in this rest of submission, submission to the Lordship of Jesus, entering into the rest of service to the Lord. Praise God. Lord, we want everything that you have ordained for us. We want every blessing to come our way. Nay, Father, we not only want to get into rest, we want to experience that rest in us, O oh Father, in every seasons of our lives. Father, help us to trust in you and to believe in you. For we know that the best is yet to come. Because God's word is working in me. God's word is working on me. God's word is working for me. And God's word will work through me. Thank you, my Father. We yield our lives to you, Father. Lord, if there is anybody in the house that is going through a bleak season, that is going through hardship in their lives, going through afflictions in their lives, Father, may this season serve to remind them for the rest of their life that God is faithful in abundance and in scarcity. That you are faithful in prosperity and in poverty. That you are a good God in every seasons of our lives. That we would not fret in times of hardship, but we would hold fast to you and to your word and receive what you have ordained for our lives. To Christ be the glory, my Father. Thank you, Father. Make us people of faith. Men and women of faith, who live faith, who speak faith, who walk faith, who see faith, praise God, who act faith and faithful Father. Help us to look at ourselves as you look as Father, people who are of great worth. What's our worth? Jesus said, what shall it profit a man? If he forfeits the whole world and yet lose his soul, that means your soul, my soul, is worth more than the entire world. Thank you, Father. We go home with that understanding that we are precious to you. We are valuable to you. 
We are prince with God. Hallelujah. We are princes with God. We are the child of the Most High. And we pray that we will live like that. That we would act like that. That we would behave like that. And that we will walk into the calling that God has placed. Send us home with your blessings. This week, Father, may we go from faith to faith. From grace to grace. From victory to victory. From power to power. From glory to glory. Till we reach the destiny that God has for us. We yield our lives to you. Bless us together. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us for now and forevermore. And God's people said amen. God bless you all.